Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership with funding provided by ACES Aware. Together, we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy healthier and more fulfilling life. Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. Hi everybody, it's Dr. B. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about depression and anxiety. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, please contact me on my website at www.drbconnections.com or email me at contact at drbconnections.com. All right, let's get started. Well, good morning, Dr. B. How are you doing today? Good morning. I am doing well. This is my... I have an exciting thing to share. So I okay. haven't um, seen my granddaughter. She hasn't had a sleepover in six months, and she's coming to do a double night sleepover. Oh, so, my goodness. So my depression what and it? anxiety is very low. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. What's that, What are a couple things on the docket that you plan on doing with her? We are going to the park, which we always used to go, would go run around the park and climb trees and stuff like that. And we are baking cookies that are called Aunt Bo's chocolate chip cookies because she was like, I'm her BB, I'm Charlie's BB. And I had an Aunt Bo who was like my grandmother. And she has a special chocolate chip cookie recipe that Charlie and I do together all the time. So we're baking cookies and playing at the park and then all what it's probably swimming because it's hot out which is amazing i would love to join that that sounds amazing it's gonna (laughs) i'm so excited i just can't wait to have my little hands just squeezing her face yes oh (laughs) that's great my girly climbing trees is is definitely something that uh brings back many childhood memories i i still occasionally do it yeah i do too i do too with her sometimes but she's and she loves to climb trees and she's good at it. So it's it's been That's fun amazing. to watch her develop, you know, from four to mm-hmm. five to now six. And she's a cruiser, man. She can do some oh, yeah. stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. So we are talking about, <laughs> about depression and anxiety today um, as it relates to ACEs. So right. um, what's the relationship there? Uh, how do we how okay. do we view those things? So depression and anxiety, the, the, the cleanest way to describe the relationship is they are best friends. So they mm. don't hang out and, you know, they often hang out together. So like mad and sad, they often also hang out together. And mm. but depression and anxiety. So we have this experience of being, oh, so down 
in our depressed feelings, but often that can come with either at the beginning or on the backside, panic and anxiety or that Mm -hmm. just anxious tension that we don't really know why we're scared, but we feel all the feelings that come with being stressed to a level of fear, but we, we don't have a like easy reason why. And so, mm-hmm. and then that also, then that feeds into the flip side of depression again, the cycle of if you have that feeling for a long time and you don't understand it, it becomes exhausting. And then that's where the depression also kicks in. And you're like, I just need to sleep. Yeah. I just need to check out because I'm depressed. So you're doing right. this back and forth thing. Do the number of ACEs correlate with a higher rate or propensity towards those things? Yeah, absolutely. So we know that the higher the there's a there's a steady correlation between the higher number of adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, the more likely a person is to suffer from depression, and mm. sometimes even suffer from. Well, not even sometimes. It's the same correlation, suicide attempts and completions. So the correlation with depression and anxiety and ACEs steadily Mm -hmm. increases as the number of ACEs go up. But then all the things that we do to mitigate those feelings, like smoke, Mm -hmm. self-medicate with alcohol or drugs... All of those are also on board. So there's this this right. incredible interrelationship between adverse childhood experiences, the mental health impact or diagnosis that goes with it, and then the self-care management. Do how do we manage our diagnosis in an in a way that's medically appropriate, or do we have to self-manage it with alcohol, drugs, things right. on the street. So, yeah. or or dysfunctional behavior. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I also edit a podcast for a couple of friends that it's LGBTQ plus podcast called Talk Out Loud. One of the hosts on there, he was talking about how on some level he went through a stint of some alcohol abuse and drug abuse. And he's like, but somehow that honestly saved my life. Yeah. Because I wasn't able to cope with yeah. all all the crap. Yeah. And 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 as 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 harmful as those things were, they did save my life. And that's at, when he said that it was just a light bulb went off. Yeah. And you can you can feel that Absolutely. on a very visceral level. Like my harmful behavior somehow saved my life. Um, and yeah. Yeah. That doesn't wake you up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what does. Well. No. That's that is so powerful and enlightening to ourselves and to others when somebody says that. But it's often those jarring events that are probably negative that wake us up. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm drinking too much. Like I'm going to die if I don't stop drinking or using drugs or whatever the risky behavior is, starts to feel threatening to our mortality. And the brain finally kicks in and says, I really should do my job because I am in service of survival. (laughs) So I've been letting go and letting you self-medicate. But 
now we need to get real. And so yeah. it is self-protective, all of those things. Somebody smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes is, you know, that's self-protective because when you smoke a cigarette, you bring down your anxiety. It's It calms you. Anyone who smokes... Mm will explain that that's a you know it's a it's it's a calmer so same thing alcohol you know is a depressant so mm-hmm. it it pulls people down it's able it settles it settles people it calms people it settles yeah and yeah. so in if we don't have proper medication or proper treatment and other strategies like meditation or hypnosis, mm-hmm. or yoga, or exercise, or things that can do the same thing at the same level, then we have to lean into the things that are negative. You know, alcohol mm-hmm. can be really fast. You take a shot of tequila, and you're you you have a little bit you you're know there. you cut the edge off really quickly. Yeah. But but we can learn. Oh yeah, that I don't want to do that. I need a little mm-hmm. bit more time, but meditation or yoga will do the same thing. I just need to right. learn how to tolerate the time, taking the time right. to do it. Generally, I think we think that depression and anxiety only shows up in like teenage years and beyond. How does that show up for teenage and below? Okay, so great, great question and topic and Littles experience lots of anxiety and sometimes depression. And Mm -hmm. we need to put this saying in our toolbox just permanently. Behavior has meaning. It's true across the lifespan, but when we are seeing behavior in children that is making us uncomfortable, concerned, worried, or it's inappropriate... We need to say, they're not doing that on purpose. That behavior has a meaning, and it's my job to get behind the meaning and figure out what's going on. And Mm -hmm. if we can do that by having conversations with children in child speak, then we can start to teach them strategies for managing their anxiety when it comes up because it's a very natural thing we should have some anxiety you know if something's scary you want your body to click on and alert right. you but we don't want your we don't want anyone's anxiety to take over their whole life so mm-hmm. there's a great book series i think i shared before it's called a kids book about and they talk about all different kinds of feelings or topics that are difficult to talk about. So one is about shame. One is about racism, systemic racism, Mm -hmm. feminism, anxiety. There's one about anxiety. There's one about depression. Wow. It's a conversation book. It's it's, It's not a book that you would hand a child themselves and say, go read the book on anxiety and figure it out. It's yeah. a book you would you would <laughs> an adult would read with a child and then discuss what it, what it means and how it feels and so it's 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 a way of helping adults talk about difficult subjects with children because That's we've amazing. never been taught to do that. Yeah. And this same book series just started 
I'll just call it a little kid's book about because I don't remember what it is, but it's literally baby, almost like baby books. It's for infants and toddlers. Hmm. So this series is for five to nine-year-olds. That series is for like birth to four-year-olds. And one one of the little baby books was called A Little Kid's Book About activism and i thought oh my gosh i can't i thought that was so funny to be holding it you know a 12 month old or a 24 month old and reading a book called activism but it's amazing but it is amazing and it is so important and we've said for so many years like well nobody taught me how to do this Mm -hmm. here's a beautiful opportunity for all of us to with children learn how to talk about hard things So depression and anxiety is um, a very wide category, and I think it shows up in some very interesting ways, in ways that people, uh, some people will not recognize as depression or anxiety. So can you talk to us a little bit about how do those two things show up? Depression and anxiety show up independently and together, and they can be fleeting or they can be steady, meaning that they're constant and around all the time. The hard part about depression and or anxiety is that they are, are that they show up as they show up differently in different people. So in some people, depression and anxiety, especially in children, show up more as an active state And then in adults, especially as we get older, show up as a more passive state. So, you know, you think of that person who's depressed and never gets out of bed and doesn't take a shower and is just so, you know, debilitatingly depressed versus, let's say, a teenager who's depressed, who who is acting out in highly risky behaviors, and they're the same exact thing, but they just show up differently. And it's that hopelessness of, I don't have, you know, I'm so depressed. I don't, it doesn't really matter if I get out of bed. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if I crash my motorcycle and die. Hmm. Does that make sense? So see how they like almost yeah. like match up, but they, they show up so differently. So we have to be really good investigators and ask a lot of questions and accept that everybody feels, we can all feel depressed anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere. Like that's that's a very normal response to the world. Like sometimes we feel depressed and sometimes we don't, or sometimes we feel anxious, sometimes we don't. That's normal, healthy experience in the world. But when we get overwhelmed by our anxiety or our depression and it becomes clinical then we need to address it on a different level and that is that means that we need to you know we need to get a good diagnosis right there are medications to treat depression and anxiety so we there's no reason not to utilize tools that we have if they're an option and that will help somebody because they are highly effective. There are buffering activities that we can do in terms of learning how to meditate, do yoga, get get therapy, 
you know, psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do some, I said, exercise therapy, yoga, meditation, hypnosis. If there's trauma involved in the depression and the anxiety, recognize, you know, doing that therapeutic process of going through processing that trauma into mm-hmm. a healthy story, which I think we've talked about before, is being able to incorporate the trauma into a narrative that makes sense for you as a person will help alleviate trauma because what where we get stuck and depressed is these bad things happened to me. Now it makes me this person and I don't like it and I don't know yeah. what to do. But if we can take this trauma integrated into our story of who we are and say, I'm still a great person, even though these really bad things happened to me. And now I'm going to do this with my life. That in and of itself is the narrative healer in being able Mm -hmm. to have somebody help us make our story. One thing that I want to point out is, and this happened to me this week, actually, was I was talking to somebody and every response that came back to me was kind of like, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Uh, you know, you know, you're wrong about that. You know, it was and it was making me feel like uncomfortable, defensive, like, you know, I'm trying to be helpful and everything I get back is just really negative. And mm-hmm. so I just stopped and I said, hey, you know what? I'm trying to be helpful and I feel like you're mad at me. Like I didn't Mm, say, I feel like you're a jerk or I feel like you're this or that or you're depressed. I didn't put it on them. I just said, I feel like you're mad at me for trying to help. I'm like, you know, what do you you want me to do here in this Mm -hmm. situation? And the person turned to me like in shock and said, no, no, I'm not mad at all. I'm so sorry. I'm Mm. tired. I'm feeling worried about this and this and this. And I didn't even notice that I was responding in a very short, curt way to you. And then, and I certainly didn't respond. It was having an effect on you because I was so into me. And so I said, okay, good. All right. We're in this together. Like, let's, let's, you know, mm -hmm. what a healthy way for people to engage. If you, when you get that feeling that somebody is, responding to you in a way that doesn't feel good, bringing it, giving them the opportunity to clarify is Mm -hmm. such a gift. It's such a gift because I could have left that situation really irritated because I was getting irritated. Sure, sure. You know, but I didn't want to, and I didn't believe that it was, the intent was negative, but I was just like, what the heck? And and it really, it really was, not about me at all. And we have to remember Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not personal. Usually how somebody comes toward you is not about you. It's about them. Right. Exactly. I think one differentiation that I think we, we would need to make is, is what is the difference between feeling sad and being depressed? Okay. And I think at least for me, I know, I know there's an actual somatic difference in that. Feeling sad, completely normal, needed, valuable, actually. Yeah. Even though that's a very uncomfortable emotion. But being depressed is when, on some level, sadness becomes my identity. And it's not just, it's no longer just something I'm feeling. 
Right. So the difference between sadness and, and and healthy, normal sadness, because people who say, you know, I never cry or I don't need to cry. I'm not sad. I'm a happy person. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we're really avoiding those feelings. We have to do a normal cycle of up and down, feeling good and then feeling sad because that's how we know what good mm-hmm. feels like and how we know what sad feels like. So we have our span of emotions. And I yeah. say to people a lot, you know, it's okay to cry. And a lot of times when I say that, they just burst into tears. You know, it's just, oh, wow. it's yeah, like yeah, the exactly. <laughs> permission to let somebody cry because we're so much a culture of like, don't cry, don't show your feelings. So feeling sad, we need to normalize that in terms of just, hey, it's okay. We need to let our little boys cry. We need to let our little kids cry just in general and not view it as a weakness because Mm -hmm. that's normal. Now, when somebody becomes sad and they can't get out of sad and they don't have a reason for sad that has an ending to the process of grief somebody dies, something bad happens, it made me sad, I was angry, I felt hopeless, I, you know, blah, 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 all the stages of grief, and then I was able to come out of it. If you're not able to go through the process of grief, then you're in depression, you're out, you're not in Mm -hmm. normal sadness. And so, and you, and you need to be able to have an, an event that you know if your if your depression is only linked to this these feelings that have no no explanation then our body and our mind get really confused about that and so right. we're in now we're into the depression territory and we need to start exploring with someone else in a professional sense like i don't mm-hmm. know why i don't know why i'm depressed i just am I just am depressed and I can't get out. Yeah, and I think that's where the difference between grief and sadness is sadness is something it's going to take some time, right? But but grief there is no exiting. You have to allow the process of grief to go all the way through, which leads us into resilience. Right. Because that is what's going to take us through that grief process that is so necessary and and so incredibly needed right now. Yes. On on many levels, systematically and personally. So how do we how do we work through that in resilience? Yes. Okay. So resilience. Let's just name it for what it is again. That it's the ability to overcome adversity. So when we look at depression or sadness grief and depression. So it's like a spectrum. We know, okay, I'm, I had a sad event. I'm sad about it. And now I'm going to come out of that. Okay. That is a natural mm-hmm. process of resilience and sadness that you're working, you're going through the process. Then if we go through grief, grief is a process of two and people don't go through it like stage one and stage seven and stage two and stage three. You go through it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So mm. it's a process that we need to go through. And if you get stuck in any of the stages, it can turn into depression because you this don't know sense. how to get 
through the process, which is why understanding grief is very important, again, for mm-hmm. children and adolescents and adults that, oh yeah, this is your bo- this is your body and your brain taking you through a process of something hard and bringing you out on the other side in a healthy way, resilience, helping you to overcome adversity. So the grief process is a resilience process by nature. And so yeah. where we where we get stuck is when we're depressed or highly anxious and we don't know why and we can't get out. And that's where adverse childhood experiences are or trauma as well reveal that we have a neurobiological interference with our healthy process of grief and sadness. If you have a healthy process to grief and sadness, then you experience it, you know, from A to B. If you Mm -hmm. don't, if you have trauma that interferes with the process and there's no clear path to B, then you can get stuck in it and then that manifests itself as depression and anxiety or anxiety. It can be both both and, or it can be one or the other. So neither feel good and very quickly overwhelm and can turn into so many Mm -hmm. other things. So it's super important to not feel like you need to manage that alone. There's Mm -hmm. lots of supports in the world to help depression and anxiety. So... Mm -hmm. And it's a common experience, so nobody should feel alone in that. Yeah. So with the with the few minutes we have left, can you give us a few tips on how can we help someone who is dealing with depression and anxiety? And then, if if someone out there is de- dealing with depression and anxiety, what are the what are the steps? What are a few? a few practical tips that they can take to help work through that. If somebody is feeling an overwhelming sense of depression, I would say get on the phone with a hotline, get on a phone with the doctor, reach out to your resources, tell somebody that you love and ask them to help you get support for your depression. If somebody is suffering from anxiety or just this continuous panic sense, I always say just do blackjack breathing, which is seven seconds of breathing in through your nose. So hold your breath for seven seconds and then breathe out through your mouth for seven seconds. So that's 21. And so if you do that three to five to seven times, Your body can't help but find a little bit of calm, which then can help us to figure out what to do next. But in a panic attack or a panic situation or anxiety, even it doesn't have to be a full-blown panic attack. That breathing exercise Mm -hmm. can really help people. Learning how to have a mindfulness practice, whatever that is, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, mindfulness, if somebody is in therapy... You know, all of these things help us to reflect and then be in charge of our anxiety and our depression so it's not in charge of us completely. So my biggest takeaway is 
Find your support system. And if you don't have one, call a hotline, call a doctor, call somebody and get help because you don't want to go through this alone and you don't need to go through this alone. Yeah, we have we have tools and we want to get them into to people's hands. And so if something is happening, then get help. And with that, thanks for listening. Get help. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. Go out and leave a life print. And I look forward to our next time together. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life print. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website, at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at TruthWork Media. TruthWork Media is a full-fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at truthworkmedia.com. These materials and all discussions of these materials are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist, or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life Print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.